Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for October 15th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Prerogative to Change One's Mind. This text that Russ just read to you is ripe to preach a good old sermon on guilt. I could begin by listing all the things that we put before God, all the things that we worship above God, you know, like money and power, or Panthers football, or material possessions like boats and motorcycles and sports cars. But if I did that sermon, I would step on too many toes, starting with my own. Plus, that's the obvious sermon, I think. Or another good guilt sermon might be one about all the things we do and say that probably make God angry. I could begin by listing all the ways we disappoint God just by the way that we kill people. Some do it literally with guns and the like while others of us do it in more sanitary ways, like the way that we kill people with our words, or the way that we damage people by our apathy, or all of the various ways that we ignore those who are hurting, and in so doing, we essentially kill them. We think we've got that thou shalt not kill commandment in our back pocket, but we all have the capacity to mortally wound people all the time with the venom from our very own mouths. Sometimes right to their faces or sometimes right behind their backs. But if I did a sermon on that, it would step on too many toes, starting with my own. Plus, that's the other obvious sermon, I think. Of course, there's, other sermon, there's another sermon embedded in there on impatience. Moses had been gone too long on the mountain with God. The people grew impatient and quickly launched into making another God, one that they could see. And then there's another sermon about how shallow we can be, distracted by all the shiny things to see what's even important. And then there's a sermon about leadership or lack thereof, on the part of Aaron. Those are maybe a little less obvious points to be gleaned from the text, but they don't really pique my interest as much. There's really only one thing in this whole story that caught my attention and made me linger. God's mind was changed by Moses. That's big. I mean, just admit it. That is big news. God got so mad at the children of Israel. And don't you love how God responds to their infidelity? God tries to send Moses to tell them off. Go tell your people, you know, the people that you brought out of the land of Egypt, the people that you brought out of captivity, as if this had all been Moses' idea from the start. Then God starts calling them names, those stiff-necked people. 
And then, God asks to be left alone so that God's anger can burn. This is not God at God's best. But Moses to the rescue again. Moses reminds God that this is all God's work from the first. It was God that brought the people out of Egypt. Moses would not take credit for that. Moses reminded God that these children of Israel were indeed God's children, not Moses' children. And then Moses reminded God of the promises that had been sworn to all the ancestors about multiplying their descendants like the stars of the heavens, and that this land to which they were headed had been promised to those ancestors. God had promised. God could not go back on a promise. And with that closing argument, God relented or repented or had a change of thinking or had a change of heart, whatever you want to call it, God changed God's mind. And that got me to thinking, well, if God can do that, So can I. Right? God listened. God weighed the facts. God put some thought into this. God put aside God's own hurt feelings and decided that the right thing, the healthy thing, the godly thing to do was to not let anger win the day. But instead, God decided to forgive and to love. And this is not the only time that this happens to God. Read the Bible and you will see. It's amazing, really. I came across a Christian writer and blogger who had moved from a fundamentalist Christian perspective to a more progressive perspective over the course of his life. And he said this, For those of us who grew up within Christianity, one of the first things we're taught about God is that God never changes. In theological terms... Y'all get ready, write this down. We'd call this immutability. God is the same yesterday as God is today, as God will be tomorrow. That's what we're taught. Unfortunately, he says, this attribute of God has been historically misunderstood, both to the detriment of ourselves and in the way we see God. Where we get into trouble, he says, is not in confessing that God never changes, but when we Assume that God never changes his mind or that God would repeat past actions in the future as if God were a scientific study that could be repeated with the same results over and over again. Numbers of times we see in Scripture God's change of plans, God's change of mind, God's change of heart. In First Chronicles, God declared that Jerusalem would be destroyed by God's own hand. But then God relented of the destruction. In the next chapter in Exodus, after the one we read today, again, in light of Moses pleading, I think there we could do a sermon on good leadership, Moses, poor leadership, Aaron. But in the next chapter, Moses is pleading, and God reversed the plan not to go with the Israelites into the promised land. In Deuteronomy, 
we read about how the Lord intended to destroy the Israelites. God stays mad at them a lot. And God was even ready to destroy Aaron. But Moses' 40-day intercession altered God's intention. 40 days of pleading with God. From the prophecy of Jeremiah, we read about how the Lord tells Jeremiah to prophesy to Israel that they should repent, saying, I may change my mind about the disaster that I intend to bring on Israel because of their evil doings. And in that great legendary story of Jonah, God changed his mind about the destruction he planned to carry out on Nineveh. And these are just a few examples. We can see throughout Scripture, as the story is told of the people of God and how they relate to God and how God relates to them, that God, in their telling, does change course sometimes. God does reverse decisions sometimes. God does relent sometimes. God does repent on occasion. And so if God can do that, then so can we. This blogger that I quoted, let me, let me give you another short paragraph of his. He says, this is because when we say that God is unchanging, we are referring to God's essence. The Bible tells us that the essence of God is love. And here's the paradox. While God is unchanging in the essence of love, the nature of love itself is always to be adapting and evolving depending on the real-world variables one is working within. Love is not static. Love, in essence, is constantly changing. Love adapts in order to give the object of love what they need on any given day. What's most loving today might not be what's most loving tomorrow depending on the variables the object of your love is experiencing. Sometimes, he said, love pulls close, and sometimes love gives space. Sometimes love provides safe boundaries, and sometimes love erases those boundaries. Sometimes love circles back, and sometimes love quietly waits it all out. Sometimes love is professed from the mountaintop, and sometimes love screams itself with silence. Love cannot be static when the object of love is not static. Even when the object of love needs the opposite of what they may have needed yesterday, love adapts in order to constantly become more loving. So substitute every time I've said the word love for God. God is love, and God is always adapting and changing to us the object of God's love for what we need in any given moment. This blogger says, this is precisely why God does, in fact, change God's mind. It wouldn't actually be love if it always looked the same. It would just be a rigid formula that failed to take into account the needs of the ones being loved. It seems like I've said love a lot. 
I've been calling God's name every time I say it. But you know what this means for us, don't you? It means that the prerogative to change one's mind is not a woman's. The prerogative to change one's mind, to change one's heart, is a very godly thing to do. If the best way we know how to talk about God is to use the word love, then love has the power to change our minds and our hearts. So when anger burns within me, I have the power, the prerogative, to change that. Anger that burns within is all-consuming and it will destroy us. We have the prerogative to change that. When jealousy takes us over, when we are green with envy about what another person has, we have the power, the prerogative to change that. When we feel that we have been betrayed by another, when we are wounded to the core, that pain that can eat away at us, we have the power to change that. It is our prerogative. We learned it from God. We cannot change the actions or reactions of another. We only have the power to change what is in our minds and in our hearts. And if God can do that, so can we. I grew up in a family that used and still uses the word queer in a derogatory fashion about gay people. Even though many gay people claim this word and use this word to best describe themselves, in my ear it is belittling and insulting because that's how I grew up hearing it used. I didn't know any gay people. I just knew people, you know, like distant cousins that had been described to me as a little off. I left home and went to college surrounded by people that used not only queer, but other terms way more offensive that I would never use in this pulpit. And then I headed to graduate school, seminary. You know that place you go where you learn all about God and love. And I can take you right now to the hallway just outside the second floor classroom of Norton Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, where I can hear the young woman with glasses and shoulder-length brown hair a little shorter than I. I cannot get her name to come to my mind, but I'm convinced it starts with an L. I can hear her saying these words after class and everybody's just kind of moving around in the hallway of the second floor classroom of Norton Hall in Louisville, Kentucky. And she is saying something like homosexuality was not a choice. It's how one is born. And I can hear myself saying out loud in front of God and everybody. But it's not natural. You don't see animals living like this. And I can see her looking at me like, what rock did you just crawl out from under? Well, that'd be the Clinton, South Carolina rock, I guess. 
And I can feel myself being justified in my own thinking, and yet knowing that I respected her enough to know that I might have just been outwitted. That's a terrible place to be, justified in your own thinking and knowing you're outwitted at the same time. But what I can't see and what I can't hear and what I can't quite bring to mind is all the people and all the conversations that were Moses to me over the last 30 years. It took 40 days for God. It took a lot longer for me. I can't recall in great detail all that has transpired in the 30 years since that day that brought me to five years ago this weekend when Russ and I stood right here and I said, Debbie and Donna, in the deepest and best sense possible, we offer to you our blessing as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say to you, from now and forevermore, may you be known as partners in life. And in the five years since that union, gay marriage is now the law of the land, and I have performed three gay weddings for people in our church. I crawled out from under a rock, and I changed my mind. Motivated by compassion, motivated by forgiveness, Motivated by love, God's mind was changed about the children of Israel. Motivated by inclusion, motivated by hospitality, motivated by love, my mind was changed about those who are LBGTQ. It's our prerogative to change our minds if it always bends towards love. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.